0: You are listening to the Content Academy podcast, where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their
1: content. So
0: let's get to it.
1: Hey guys, Paul Caffrey here, and welcome to the Content Academy podcast. I am joined by Phil McGrath. Hello. Hello there. What's happening? Ah, you know, just a, a different day, another great podcast. That's what's happening. Uh, today, we have Lane Kennedy coming on. So she's a speaker, coach, and she's created lanekennedy.com where she teaches people how to be, how to create an unforgettable presence online. And really, in this show, there's a number of different things that we speak about that I found very, very interesting, you know. Um, firstly, trend spotting in your editorial calendar and, and the fact, Phil, that you know, she plans her content a year in advance yeah i found that i mean i like my
0: editorial calendar i like planning um but that's just crazy i'm very impressed
1: yeah and what uh, having said that you know it hits you between the eyes and then you go well actually that's how large corporations that's how big business do things and that you know that's maybe not such a bad idea because you're focused the whole time round you know the whole year round i should say um so i mean look also then speaks about the fact of Setting up an online business, as we you know we said before, it is not an overnight success story, or seldomly is that you know you have to have your expectations set correctly, and so we speak a little bit about that and what's what's realistic. Um, another topic, actually, the importance of imagery for your podcasts again, or for your blogs, for your podcasts, yeah, they need images too, uh, and your content. That's something which comes up, and I, I quite like discussing that. And I suppose finally, you know, your social media promotion. Again, always interesting to hear how someone who's been successful and been very good at it, to hear what they're doing. So, you know, without any further ado, introducing Lane Kennedy.
0: Okay, yeah, like we said, we have Lane Kennedy on the line from the GameChangerSociety.com. Lane, how are you? so
2: good so great to be here with you guys thanks for having me
0: no thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to come and speak with us here in the content academy podcast uh, great to have you on i suppose initially as we ask all our guests can you just give us a bit of background to yourself if for our listeners who wouldn't be too familiar with you so where are you kind of started out online and uh, what's your big projects at the moment
2: so where i started out online was about um seven years ago six years ago i had a child and i was completely isolated so i began a group here in san francisco called the sf mom entrepreneur which slowly but surely grew into quite a big organization here in san francisco and i had it offline and online and i grew this community and it was really uh, fascinating to watch the online world and what was happening and you know things have changed even in the 6 years so I've just been in the space, online, kind of growing my community. I'm no longer doing the SF Mom Entrepreneur because I realized that I wanted to focus not only on moms, but I wanted to focus on people doing amazing things. I already knew that moms were amazing, so I kind of broadened my spectrum a little and started talking to more entrepreneurs, more game changers out in the world. Which eventually led me to creating the game changer society that I have today.
0: And I, I get the funny feeling that's not even a quarter of the storyline. I'm, <laughs> sh- I'm sure if we were to dig dig deeper, we, we'd be here all day. Um, but uh, thank you. I'm going to thank you in advance for the Cliff Notes version of that. And yeah, I mean, that is. <laughs> Um, and listen and that's the case I mean a lot of a lot of our guests we've had on we kind of speak to them and we ask can you just give us a give our audience a little bit of background and you know where you started and what you're up to and I kind of go how long have you got you know so well, well, that's it and I mean that's the truth. I mean a lot of a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs. It's it's not just a case of I started a business. Here I am. There is a long, long backstory, a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of failures and a lot of successes along the way. And where we to go into all of those, we'd never get to the, the, the real meat of the podcast, which is of course the great content that you're creating. And I mean I'm looking at uh, at uh, LaneKennedy.com, and I can see you know you've got your game changers podcast, you've got your blog, um, and you've got a large number of uh, courses uh, also there on the site and i mean you're obviously a very busy woman you've got the family going on i know you've got your offline business and mm-hmm. in, in terms of planning all this content um how do you go about that in terms of do you use an editorial calendar and how far how far in advance would you would you generally plan all that out a year <laughs> a year oh yeah excellent So how does that process work? You're our first guest who's honestly admitted to being that far ahead of themselves. We like to work maybe a month or two, but I love 12 months in advance. So how on earth do you manage to plan out a full year in advance?
2: You know, I I learned many years ago, and people used to make fun of me about this, but for me and the way that my brain operates, I have to have something that I'm moving towards. I have to have a target target that I'm going towards. So I like this idea of 12 months. So I know what's happening in say June or July or, you know, December, and it's just worked for me. You know, I create a calendar. I look at the months, I look at what's important for that month, and then I create content around it. And sometimes, you know, I'll go off and do something else. But for the most part, that's kind of how I've been able to do it is that I've looked at the year and looked at what's important and what I want to bring out into the world. Like, for example, I know that in springtime, a lot of people are launching courses a lot in the online space. Yeah. So I tend I tend to stay away from that, that period of time because I don't want to you know, go into yeah. create, 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 and then just bomb. So I'll go like a, a couple of months after that or I'll hit it right before that.
0: I really that that's it's clever obviously I mean there's a lot of noise around certain times of the year with a lot of people bringing out products so having having the wherewithal to kind of realize well if I change that up slightly and come out a little mm-hmm. bit earlier a little bit later there's not as much clutter not as much noise and I can get my message across a little bit clearer without having trying having to try and cut through that noise and get out to my audience. I mean, in terms of going a year in advance, there's a couple of little things in there. obviously, you're you're talking about looking at your calendar and, you know, noting different times of the year and springtime certain things happen and certain trends within your market, I suppose. Is there any kind of key tips you might give to our audience in what you would be looking for when you're looking in 12 months in advance?
2: I would think about what's important to their audience. Like, I I know for a large part of my audience, which are uh, women... And a lot of them have kids. I have to think about the month of August, not the month of September, because I know they're completely not available Mm. in September. Yeah. So really think about your audience. You know, again, it's knowing your customer, right? Absolutely. Knowing your avatar, like what do they need and when do they need it? And I I love being, um, uh, I guess, a little bit, I guess I'm ahead of myself. 'Cause I want to, I want them to start shopping before they need it. Does that make sense? So when I look at my calendar, you know, for social media, uh, I just did your greater message and I put that out in, in August and September because in order to get any kind of traction in December, they need to start putting their message out now. Yeah. So I look at right, I look at my customer, what they need and what they're doing, and then I create products and put those on the calendar in that matter does that make sense to you
0: yeah no absolutely and i mean obviously then in obviously with the coursework it's very clear that yes my customers are going to need to have um you know a lot more exposure in around christmas time obviously if they're selling products and it's a big big time of year for shopping and, and online mm-hmm. trade so i mean i like the fact that you you can notice that okay they're going to need this in in, in december but really mm-hmm. The, the preparation for December begins in August, September. I can't just give them the product and expect them to flick, flick a switch, and they're not going to get the results. So it's knowing what you're selling as well. I really like that, the fact that you have a key understanding of what your products are about and how how far in advance your customers need to have them in order to get the most out of them. So that's, I mean, it's key, and I, 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 re, I really like that.
2: And think about this. I had to actually start creating that content or have a general idea about that content and start you know promoting that content back in July,
0: right? It's a six month month period for all leading up to to the crescendo, I suppose that is December.
2: Right. I mean, there's a big, you know, that big theory of don't create your product until your market, you know, tells you that that's what they want.
0: Yeah. Sometimes your market don't know they want it until you tell them you have it.
2: Exactly. I'm a big advocate of creating things. Not, I don't have to do a complete product, but I have to at least put something out there. And then they go, and then they think, "Oh, I do need that,"
1: right? Yeah, I think that's interesting. And it does come down to understanding. Um, I suppose your audience at a higher level as well. Obviously, I mean, the game changer society. I mean, it, it, you're, I suppose the whole online piece is is a lot based around community. But how important is community to you um, with your online success so far to date?
2: Oh my God without community, there's there's no success. <laughs>
1: there's,
2: without my people, simple I mean, I really that. kind of, it, it is that simple. Without them, without finding them, there is no business. And I, I think a lot of people are kind of, um, they overlook that. They just think, oh, I'll put my stuff out there, people are going to buy it. And then they're disappointed six months, nine months later, because they haven't really established themselves. They haven't created that community. You know, a lot of times uh, when I'm working, with a client, you know, they think that they're going to be successful in six months. And it's like the learning curve of opening a business online is like you're hitting the brick wall. It's straight up. And it's been my experience. And a lot of the people that I know, it's, it's a good 18 month curve. So really planning for that and really having uh The content, building that community and that slow, having that slow mentality of one relationship at a time.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I mean, really, when it comes down to it, I suppose planning in advance is always key because there is no, you know, get rich quick trick out there, you know. And it is, it's not easy starting off. We can, I can certainly attest to that. I suppose back Mm -hmm. when myself and Phil kicked off, you know, we probably went through an 18 months, maybe a little bit longer period where it, it was a struggle, you know. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully you know you kept in there and, and things came off but um, I suppose like with that in mind obviously I mean for yourself there's so many things you've done obviously you know if you've got books out there you you do speak and you've you've done startups and you um, I suppose you're not really asking your audience you're putting together you know product services that you you think yeah this will be a fit for for my audience as such but you know how do you make a decision on, on where to concentrate your efforts because there seems to be you know, so many different areas you could focus on and then so many various different platforms you could actually use. Um, have you any any uh, method for actually deciding, you know, where to actually focus your attention?
2: Where I want to hang out. <laughs> it's, it's, that it's that simple. It's that simple. You know, I don't really hang out on Facebook. I just don't. I just I don't I know that a huge part of my community is there but I'm not hanging out there I much prefer to be hanging out on Twitter it's easier for me I'll go into Facebook and hang out there off and on and granted I would probably be so much more uh, successful I don't know if I was there every day you know posting three times a day
1: you wouldn't enjoy it.
2: But I wouldn't enjoy it, right? And for me, having an online business and having the lifestyle that I have is about doing things that I love and hanging out with people that I love. And that sounds selfish, I know. It's totally selfish, but if,
1: if I'm not
0: happy then I can't serve I mean you you say it's selfish but it's not really I mean if you want to have any kind of longevity with your business you need to love what you're doing you need to have a passion for it and if certain tasks are becoming a dread dreaded task that you just don't want to do yes you might force yourself to do them but at the end of the day you're not going to do them the right way or perhaps the best way they could be and then it begins Mm -hmm. to look a little bit shabby and all of a sudden it can have a knock-on effect in other areas so I like the fact that you're brutally honest about it and you will Say, well you know what? Yes, I know I possibly could do better if I was there all the time, but that doesn't work for me. And this business, while I am helping people and doing doing everything I'm doing, it is also about me and having the lifestyle that I want. That's why I'm in this business. Um, mm-hmm. so I like I like the fact that you're brave enough to kind of go, yeah, I know I should be, but I'm not, and here's why I'm not. But there's a big thing to be to be learned from that. I think a lot of people seem to think that yes. There's Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got your Instagram, you know, if you're using Snapchat for your business, Pinterest, uh, Blab, Periscope, <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. And we always talk, we've talked to um, our guests and we say, well, which ones do you decide you want to use? And a lot of people say, well, it's where my audience are hanging out and that I tailor it to suit them. But I like the fact that you tailor it to suit you. Um, but it also is a testament to, to obviously the, the quality of stuff you're putting out because even if your audience are largely hanging out on Facebook, The fact that you're not there, they're gravitating to you regardless of where (laughs) you are. So Mm -hmm. that, that in itself, to me, speaks volumes about the type of work you're doing because they're willing to come to you rather than going, well, you're not here, so tough, I'll find somebody else who's doing it. But no... They obviously like what you're doing. They, you, they really resonate with you and they're coming to where you're hanging out. Uh, again, it's brilliant. I love it because it just it's bold and it's honest and I don't think there's enough of that in business. I think a lot of people give the answers they want, they think people want to hear and oh, well, best practice says I should be doing this and you're like, well, no, actually that doesn't work for me. Here's what I do and this is why I do it. If you don't like it, oh, well.
2: Uh, yeah, I can't be, <laughs> I just can't be the best practice and do what everybody else does. It's not my style. It's not the way it's, I would
1: be miserable. Oh, yeah. I like that. And I suppose when it really comes down to it is it gives you the opportunity then to kind of hang out and communicate with people on your own terms, uh, on Mm -hmm. the terms that you like, you know. And obviously we were were speaking before the show kicked off and you you were discussing the fact that you've got a project coming up uh, based around, you know, having a a membership community in place. And I suppose that will give you another avenue to actually speak to people. Uh, in an environment that you feel more comfortable with. Um, well, I suppose, obviously, you've said to take, you, you plan things massively in advance. Um, this upcoming project, how, you want to maybe tell our listeners a little bit about it and, and how long you've actually been planning and how you decided what to put into it?
2: Oh, the Game Changer Society. Yeah, it's... I had this idea...
1: Um,
2: let's see, January, February, March. Back in March, I think of really hanging out with great people like that would be it that would that that's all I wanted to do was hang out with great people and I was fortunate enough to go to Tropical Think Tank uh, with Chris Ducker Jim Schramko and John Lee Dumas and Matthew Kimberly and Amy Schmittauer right so we're all in this mastermind and it really kind of uh Made that idea come to fruition. It it solidified what I wanted to do. And from that point, I've just been organizing it, creating it, putting it together, um, talking to people. I've done a lot of talking with a lot of people because the idea is having a bunch of these game changers inside the community, behind the gate, so to speak. Uh, I don't want to have it on Facebook. I don't want it because I don't hang out on Facebook. So it's its own closed community. And inside that community, there are, you know, live webinars, there's training, there's a monthly call with me. So I have to curate the content on what the calls are going to be about. So I've already mapped that out. It's, and again, it's, it takes Excellent time. Yeah. But I, I love doing it. And I know, uh, like, the results or the the feedback that comes back of like this is so fantastic
0: that's excellent and i mean in terms of mapping that out it might be Mm -hmm. might be something for audience to get it get an insight into when you're mapping out an idea like that Mm -hmm. is there do you have a set structure to that that you would map out okay well this is the topic this is what i'm going to teach this is how i'm going to teach it these are the (laughs) expected results i'd like the my clients to get and here's how they can then implement that into their own business, or am I am I going way beyond?
2: <laughs> no, I well, I I I do everything in a notebook. I have like five different notebooks, <laughs>
1: so Paul, oh, there's another I, notebook. Yeah, yeah I don't I, know, I'm a fan of that as well. Yeah, <laughs> are you? Are they physical notebooks or are they online notebooks? Oh That's no, forget question.
2: online. No, it's all about pen
1: and are, paper. There you go,
2: pen and paper, old school composition books i have you know five different colors uh, each one has its own you know title and i st- i create it inside
0: there oh know? yeah just yeah, are, like you're me. like that too oh uh, listen we we've had this conversation with with a with a good few guests and i obviously regular listeners to the podcast will know that i am a big advocate of pen and paper despite the fact that i am very tech orientated but most things i do when it comes to my ideas and my research everything mm-hmm. goes down in pen and paper. There's just something very gratifying about being able to write it all down into the book and I'm less likely to lose a book as the real answer. We had this conversation there, uh, I think it was with Sam Norberg and we were kind of saying, you know what? I like the pen and paper because I've lost too many phones.
2: Yes. I have <laughs> to have things in pen and paper. I have to see it. And, and I do uh, creative mapping. So I'll put the idea at the top and then I'll draw arrows to the next thing and you know, a a box to the next area. So I have a, it's a visual experience for me to map out the content that I'm creating or an email series that I'm creating or uh, the modules that I'm creating for a course. Hmm. So I have to map it out and I have to see what, uh, what I'm trying to teach and what are the objections the objectives that the uh, student or the customer will have. I try to cover those. And what are the action steps that they're going to take? So if I'm teaching a course or if I'm uh, setting up a a webinar, those are kind of the things that I answer generally.
0: I mean, obviously then, You've got a great outline going forward. I mean, in terms of then some of your blog content as well that you put out, would you have a similar outline to that? Or how much of an outline would you have when it comes to then writing a, a piece of free content?
2: So with my, my blog content, it's, it's almost like I'm just talking to that person. Hmm. I don't really have a, so much of a structure. I want to engage with them as much as possible. So I'm constantly questioning or posing a question to them. Yeah. It's as if we were sitting down having a cup of coffee together. My blog content, or that's how I try. Like I don't try to make it like that. It's just that's how I write. I think. Uh, so there's not a lot of structure. Sorry, no, but <laughs> with the, the blog content.
0: No, but again, I mean, he, I, I, I laugh that you're apologising, but it clearly works for you. And that's mm-hmm. what I like. It's you've recognized that this is the way I do it. This is how mm-hmm. I like to do it. And obviously, again, when you like doing it, you're, w- you're you're more than likely willing to do more of it because it's not a chore. And there's yeah. nothing, don't apologize to us. There's nothing wrong with that because it's all about writing the way you do, about the topics you want. And again, when you like it, when you love it, you will do a lot more of it. And obviously, as we know, the more content you put out there, the better chance you have of getting your message across, as long as it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's good content to me we, we yeah we can all put out pure dribble from time to time um, right. you know but i mean let's be honest as long as it's good and you're getting it getting it out there on a, on a frequent basis well then you're giving yourself a good chance so i mean don't apologize for for perhaps not doing it that that works for you it's your voice it's your message and that's what a lot of people need to realize i think some people yeah. when they're starting out creating uh, a website or a business and they're, they're looking to create content that they look at kind of what everyone else is doing within the market, Ugh. what's best practice here, what does this side say, what does that side say, even listening to our podcast, what do the guys say? Yeah, we we'll, we'll, we obviously spot, speak to people like yourself, Lane, and, and we kind of see how they do things because it gives people an insight into how various successful entrepreneurs create their content, and not mm-hmm. one single person has given us the same answers to these questions, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of it. People can surely realize that, Everyone is tailored how they work to suit their lifestyle and what they enjoy doing. And yep. that's a big thing. Don't worry about what everyone's saying. What works for you? Certainly go ahead and read and listen and do whatever you need to do. Watch a video here or there and see what people are telling you to do. And maybe try it. If it's not for you, don't go, oh, well, that's what they're doing. I have to do it that way because that's what, you know, X person says I have to do to be successful. Mm-hmm. Everyone is successful in their own right doing their own things. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're successful, because they do it their way. So, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's brilliant. Totally um,
2: agree. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to copy me. <laughs> like, do Yeah.
1: Well, good luck. You know, they'd be struggling. Let's face it, you know, it yeah. <laughs> um, we've, we've come across, uh, so we've got a lot of mixed answers. The next question as well. And it really is, you know, do you have, you know, a virtual team or would you kind of outsource some of the, the content creation or the, the lead magnet stuff, or would you kind of be hands-on and like, do every single piece of it yourself. Um, you know, what, what's your stance on that? Or you know, how are things set up for you at the moment?
2: I am so hands-on. A lot of my colleagues think I'm crazy. But for me, I like to know how every part of my business likes. But I do have three VAs. I do. Oh. <laughs> uh, I uh, guide them and they do what I need them to do i'm happy to uh, let them explore i give them a lot of creativity leeway Uh, they know my brand completely Uh, before i let them loose they have to know my voice if they're you know you know are they going to be able to post like me is it coming across as me Uh, i do not let any of them just go out there and fly solo Unless I completely feel yes,
1: yeah, absolutely that
2: they're on the same page as me. But I am all for outsourcing and having help. I, I could not run my business without the help that I have from the three incredible women that are working with me.
1: And with that, are they um I mean how would you pass on instruction? Would you kind of, you know, be doing it on a daily basis or is it weekly? Or, you know, how does that kind of work at the moment? Just maybe for people who are looking into outsourcing and just sure. thinking, how do I start?
2: Sure. Yeah, I actually, because this is such a hot topic, I created a a, like a a class just for this because a lot of people are so uh, afraid of it. And one of the first things that we go through is just learning the tools that you need in order to outsource. And the biggest tool that I use is Slack. And I'm sure a lot of people are using this now, but that tool was a game changer for me and for my team.
1: Yeah, right. and maybe for people who haven't heard of it, you know what, what's it doing for you?
2: It has eliminated email.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Anything gets sort rid of emails or friends. There's too much of that going right. around. It
2: eliminates email, and it really kind of um, each conversation is separate and searchable, and never gets lost. Right. So I have, for example, my content. Uh, my writer, she has her own folder. Her own. She has her own area where we hang out and we talk. Uh, my designer has her own channel where we hang out and talk. My yep. assistant has her own area as well, right? So each conversation, like everything, becomes very organized. Like I have a Twitter channel. I have a, a podcast channel. I, I like every conversation that I would have with one of them has its own unique channel. And then that conversation continues in there. Whereas opposed to email, you have an email that goes back and forth and then all of a sudden, you know, it's lunchtime and then, Oh, you got a call from somebody and then, Oh, it's time to go do this. And then that email gets lost. And then three days later, you're like, Oh my God, I was having that email conversation.
1: Yeah, and the thread is missing, so you can't go back and you're kind of right. there going, right, well, what was said? I don't know, now we're starting again, we're losing time. Right. Um, no, I like that. And with I suppose with your VAs it's quite interesting, you kinda of hint that you've kind of got one for, for content, one for assisting you and and one are kind of doing visual art. So that would that be kind of I suppose your Twitter itself is, is quite visual. You'd put a lot of um, you know, pictures and messages up there. Is is that kind of the breakdown or is that is that uh the support that you, you need at the moment?
2: So the, the support that I need at the moment, uh, they take care of everything that I need them to take care of. Yeah, I love having a visual designer on board with me.
0: Yeah, and I mean that I, I was even when you were listing off what your VA is doing, I was kind of thinking, of someone who who creates the, the the graphics and and all that kind of stuff. And again, uh, touching on that, how important do you think having some good article imagery is in terms of not only catching your audience attention, but, but keeping it.
2: For my experience, it's really important. We're such a visual we're visual pe- people like that's how we learn. It's how we communicate. It's all visual. So for me, having a visual assistant or a designer is key to my business. And I've noticed actually, uh, more engagement as a result of that and being consistent with it has really helped
0: yeah i mean uh, the reason i ask is we have seen um you know obviously we'll, with work we've done we see people put out content and you know it, the articles themselves and the blog content is good but you kind of look at it and go it's missing something and it's generally some piece of artwork or or something mm-hmm. along those lines and it kind of gone. What you have needs to be better. The content, yeah. the, the, the imagery isn't doing the content justice. Right. And it's right. probably when they look at that and it's not quite up to scratch or there's none, none at all, um, mm-hmm. it takes away from what oh, you're doing. There's,
2: well, there's nothing at all. It's like, oh, it's, so, it's shameful, I feel. It, it doesn't take that much work to just get an image to put it with your content.
0: No, it's that's... Like,
1: and I think originality is step. key as well. It's it's so yes. it's so frustrating. That you see, I've seen that clip art before because it's been copied uh. and used a hundred times in here. It does take away, um, and I suppose the other side of things. And this is something we kind of touch on a lot. Images are easier to repurpose than say the text from a blog or whatever else, and, and they can mm-hmm. really kind of, um, I suppose, be a, a good doorway in into your world as such whatever platforms that you're you're looking at. Really, so I, li- I like that side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of stuff, is it simply kind of um, visual kind of images for, say, say Twitter and blog posts, or would there be anything else that the guys might be doing for you that maybe we're, we're unaware of?
2: Uh, let's see. Well, they handle all my social media visual graphics. Uh, I also have a challenge that I run on my website. So I have an email challenge that's a visual experience. Uh, what else do I do inside on my slides, on my webinars, it's a visual experience that they'll help on. Uh where else do I have visuals?
1: Cool. So it's it's really across the board then. I mean, it really, you know, runs into everything. And I think that's important. It's it's not just, you know, one picture for say social media as such, no. you know. Um, because obviously it doesn't just begin and end when you get somebody to your content you have to continue to work through it and and obviously if they've if they found you because they like the imagery being used well it would make sense to use it throughout Mm -hmm. um so no that makes that makes sense there and i'm sorry Um, paul to cut across
0: i suppose just on that point then lane i mean again something we've spoken about before on the podcast is that a lot of people seem to think that once they've created that blog post that (laughs) video that podcast whatever it might be Mm-hmm. that that hard work is done it's like a few i've i've written it i've recorded it i've done whatever <laughs> hit publish and it's done <laughs> that's and, no and that's not the truth that that's that's the we've said it before that's the easy part the easy part is creating it you know so i mean obviously you're laughing you know it's true as well what does your um your kind of social media structure look like in terms of promoting your content um what platforms do you do you really focus on and love using we know you're not a big fan of facebook obviously um but in terms of you know if you create a, a blog post or a video or something how often would you push that to social media because we see some people they'll put it out just once and they kind of go oh yeah. well, i don't want to bombard people with it you know i put it out there so you know that's it I've, I've hit i've hit publish on facebook and twitter and maybe instagram and you know if they see it they see it and they'll come and if not but i mean that, again that's wrong so what, what's your kind of thought process on that
2: okay so i'm all about getting it out there as much as possible but i do believe that there has to be a method and i love this idea of well i always try to use google plus just because google you know is google so i, I so that's more of
0: that's an seo type of thing really that's isn't? an
2: seo yeah, yeah it's an seo let's, let's
0: a... be honest no one hangs out in google plus
2: no, I know. Nobody's there. <laughs> I just post things there just because it helps yeah, yeah. with the SEO, no the ranking, right? So uh, once a week, I put something out on Google+, but then I kind of drip it as well, and I recycle my content. So for example, if a podcast, if an episode goes live, uh, I'll put that out, I don't know, maybe seven or eight times on Twitter, in different prompts, different, you know, sayings. Yeah,
0: so it's not it's uh, not the same tweet, just copy and paste it. Right. Exactly. It's, and would that's seven or eight times. Is that over the course of a week, a month, a year? What it's over your, a day. Over a day. Love it. Love it. Now we're getting somewhere.
2: Yeah, it has to be. I mean, the same person is not looking at that feed 10 minutes from now. No. Right. At lunchtime, that is a different person than the person who's on Twitter at 7 a.m.
0: different country right yeah Yeah. and this is this 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 is the point we were we've been making as well it's just because you put it out there doesn't mean your audience actually seen it
2: right and this is the point this this is why i like being online for the last six or seven like seven years now uh, when somebody comes online now and they think oh i'm going to make it in six months they don't have this critical information that we're discussing right here
0: Right. No, and hopefully we're, we're giving them some of that. Otherwise, uh, right. so we, we, we may all just go home.
2: <laughs> right. It's key information of like, oh, you can actually post more than one time on Twitter per day.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, Realistically, I suppose that we it's all about the content. And no matter what business you're in, you've got to create good content. Obviously, the promotion of that content is also key. So hopefully this is a little bit of a reality check for some people who kind of are a little bit shy about really pushing themselves out there.
2: Yes. So yeah, it'll go out seven times. So on Twitter and then I'll post something over on Pinterest. I'll post on Instagram, but I'll, like I said, I'll drip it. Hmm. So like on Monday, something a lot. Then Tuesday, uh, it'll go up on Pinterest on Wednesday. It'll go up on Facebook, uh, Thursday. Uh, it'll go back out on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, I put something up every day, or at least I try to just, and it doesn't have to be about the podcast per se or what I'm doing. I try to keep Instagram more personal for me because it's just fun. Uh, So there is this kind of push as much as possible out on Twitter, engage on Twitter, Mm.
0: But I like the and fact then, that you're varying also. It's the same link to the same article or the same video or whatever it might be. But you're varying yeah. the, the pretext. Which, which, again, needs to be done, you know, because then you're even if the same person is seeing the same tweet, you're mm-hmm. not going to piss anyone off.
2: Right. And the other thing is that, you know, because I do a lot of life hacking, I also share, you know, interesting tips about hacking things about business hacks or life hacks so I also put that into the mix so I'm not just sharing the same my bloody content the whole time right it's like who no so I'm putting out relevant content sharing other people's items and information as well and then I also ask my game changers in my community what can I put out for you
0: yeah and again I like that as well because it's you know, when it comes to creating content, the big problem some people have, I don't think you suffer with this problem, mate, however, obviously <laughs> your, your plan so far in advance is, but what am I going to do or what, what do I need to do? What do they want? What am I going to cover? Go and ask them. Send them a tweet. Put it up on Facebook or, you know, wherever you want to hang out. Drop them an email. Hi, guys. How's it going? uh just going through my editorial calendar here i have a lovely gap in it for next week um what are you really struggling with what would you love me to do a piece on yep, and i guarantee absolutely. it not only will it make if you're going email wise it'll make your email list a little bit more responsive because they know that you're just you're not just sending them an email to sell something mm-hmm. but the fact that when you create that content yes. your audience when you let notify them that it's there they're more inclined to go and read it and share it. And they also feel like they've had some input into how it was crafted. And that, again, is going to get eyes on it.
2: Yeah, so true. I do that all the time. And it's a fantastic way to get ideas. It's a fantastic way to be engaged with my community. I love it. I love asking.
0: I think it's, it's the only way to ensure that you're really hitting the nail on the head. <laughs> because if you don't ask, you don't get. And, you know, your audience are kind of going... Yeah, I like the content, but I'd like to know about this. And if you don't ask him, <laughs> you just don't know. I mean, Lane, we're getting tight for time now. We're coming up towards the end of the show. Um, I just have one or two more questions, and I'm sure Paul might have one or two lying around there for you as well. Um but obviously you've been as you said you've been online now for seven years um and you've created a lot of content is there one kind of glaring mistake that you seem to see um whether some startups and stuff like that when it comes to creating their content you kind of go do you know what i wish people would do i wish they'd stop doing this
2: ah uh, okay wait a minute
1: <laughs> there you go Phil saving the easy questions for the end as usual <laughs> <laughs>
2: What do I not want them to do? I, you know, I just don't want them to think that it's going to happen overnight. Right? Like that. that that's It's impossible. Yeah. Like it's a brain. It's a mindset thing. Mm. So I, I'd love check, for people yeah. to really think about the mindset that they have when creating content and what they're doing. And the other, uh, what's it, I don't know if there's anything else. Glaring mistake. Glaring mistakes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ugly websites. Like, come on. This isn't, we're not in 1992 anymore. Yeah. Like, get a real website with a nice landing page and a night. Like, come on. It's not that difficult. So, that's the other thing. It's like somebody will show me their website and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't be associated with you. I cannot be, I can't do this. I was approached by someone and I said, you know, what? I can't, I can, this, you know, we're not going to do business together. No, until you up your game a little bit. And she was like, Really? I said, Yeah. She goes, I paid two thousand dollars for this website. I said, Well, you know, you <laughs> should have paid five hundred dollars for it because it looks like crap. And again, she was freaked out at me. But you know, get good quality design for your website.
0: There you go, folks. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no. I'm just
2: saying sorry, but
0: Don't apologize. That's yeah, that's, that's the, these, these are the harsh realities. I like those. You know, if you're gonna put money into into big parts of your business, get a nice looking site. Make sure it it doesn't have to have bells and whistles. Clean, crisp, simple.
2: I mean, just create a nice landing page. That's all you need to get started.
0: Yeah. So even just get lead pages. Create a nice, lead, create a nice one on there. Make life a bit easier for you. If you don't want to go out and pay pay someone to uh, design it for you. Um, I do have one other question. I don't think it's as difficult as the last one, so hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot again. No, that's okay. But, but uh, in terms of obviously you creating content, what do you find the hardest part about creating your content? Whether it's your coursework or your blogs or or your your um webinars, time. Oh, yeah, time. <laughs> I can hear that it's
2: time. Really, it's. I have to really be so careful with my time because I know for me at, uh, you know, two thirty, I'm done with my day mm. and then I'm back to being mom. So I have to prioritize. I have to be able to communicate effectively with my team. It's about managing my time, blocking it out and knowing that I don't really get my brains going until about noon.
0: doesn't so leave I much that, of a window.
2: I, I, exactly. So I know that <laughs> I've got like two hours to really get into my content creation. And that took me a long time to figure out. I was like, why can't I get anything done? Why can't I get anything done? And it's just the way my, I work.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: but now, just you've, the way- now you've got the routine down.
2: Right. And right. I, again,
0: and that's a big thing It's having a routine. Um, mm-hmm. I'm something similar. My daughter finishes school at two 2.30 p.m. as well. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: she goes to school, 9 a.m., 2.30 p.m., <laughs> pick up. They're my work. That's it. I I'm mean, I'm, yeah. when I come back, I have a cup of coffee into the office, close the door, and that's my yeah. routine. I come into my yeah. workspace. That's where I work. Once that door closes, I'm in work mode. I know mm-hmm. I've only got a set amount of time. Let's just get it done. And then the day is my own. Um, but mm-hmm. it's about crafting a routine that also works for you, so I like that the fact that you've been able to figure out your routine. you know when your brain is switched on and when it's not uh, yeah. you you can you can plan accordingly and make sure that the process you have in place are effective for those times when you're most effective.
2: And I realize that I have creativity at nighttime, and I like to ignore that, but the fact is my brain turns on at nighttime. And I have to respect that. I have to, sometimes I work at night. Not not a lot, but, you know, I'll tell my husband, okay, I'm going to write tonight. So really knowing, again, it's just really paying attention to myself and how I work.
0: Yeah, and of course, if people are listening to the earlier part, they know you're that well planned. That when <laughs> it, when, it, when it comes time to write... It's not a brainstorming session. It's not a research <laughs> session. It's a writing session. You've so, done yeah. all that already It's been planned out well in advance. so when you say "I'm going to write, it's a case of open up yep. open up word or whatever you're you're <laughs> creating your content on, and you're typing you're you're literally getting the article done. you're not spending you know five ten minutes going uh what <clears throat> am I going to do today yeah no
2: it it is very right. yeah, and I use Google docs
0: there you go, Google docs <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Well, they were my two difficult questions then. Eh? I hope I didn't put you on
1: the spot too much. Um, no, those are
0: great. Paul, what have you got?
1: Um, Well, you know what? We'll make this very short and sweet. Um, I I just noticed, obviously, you said you kind of put a personal touch onto some of your, your Instagram stuff. And for me, I kind of find it difficult to kind of, what's borderline on, say, Twitter and Instagram, the two of them? What should be personal? What should be business? Do you have any rules for that? Or is it just a kind of, yeah, this feels good. I'll put this on it. Or, or what way do you do that?
2: So the question is, what is business, what is personal?
1: Yeah, and how that- do you decide whether, what to, when to share it? And, you know, what's too personal to share and what's you know, what's not as such, I guess?
2: Right. So because I'm a lifestyle brand, I, it's a very fine line about that. Uh, so I have to be very careful of oversharing. Like sometimes I'll yeah. want to share, right? like uh, the more personal, intimate moments. Like, for example, we, this is going to sound crazy, but my son Mm -hmm. uh, came home and we found out that he had the little creatures on his head,
0: (laughs) right? Um, Yeah. yeah. I I, I think think all all parents can relate to that.
2: And I was, (laughs) you know, I'm horrified by this. I, you know, I'm like, oh my God. And for a moment I was like, oh, I got to take a picture and tell everybody about this. And then I thought, no, that's oversharing. (laughs) <laughs> you know for my for my family that would be appropriate yeah but you know on twitter and instagram i'm not gonna share that
0: that just reminds okay. me of some of the pictures you see online where there's a child has fallen down a manhole or is hanging oh. from it hanging from a kitchen drawer by their trousers uh-huh. and the, the, the parents have taken the pictures and posted them up and you're kind of going yeah, it's funny. I get it. But how long did you wait before you saved the child to take the right, picture? Right. Sometimes I get a little bit worried. I'm like, mm, I can see the funny side. And yeah, you want to go, oh my God, look what just happened. But the poor child is hanging upside down from a kitchen right. drawer. And you're kind of going, not more important to take the child down first.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so this, this idea of what's business and what personal, it's really a fine line for me because I am that lifestyle brand yeah. and I have to really be careful about that. Uh, I'm a really open book. I mean, on my podcast, I talk about some really personal things that are happening in me because I want people to know me. I want them to understand where I'm coming from. So I kind of open that door up a lot more than a lot of people do. Hmm.
0: Uh, That's one of the... I mean, in terms of online business, it's a phrase you hear bandied around plenty. It's no like and trust. And obviously Mm -hmm. you go to probably some more links than others, but that's your brand. That's, that's your business. So in order for them to know, like, and trust you, you've got to give right. them a little bit more of you.
2: Right. That's it. And, and I'm comfortable with doing that. And I, I know what that cutoff line is. Like, I'm not going to snap a picture of my husband and me with the, you know, the lice s- shampoo stuff. Like that would be, like <laughs> they're going to be like, okay, Lane, that's overshared. And yeah. here I am now with you talking to you about it. And I'm like, am I oversharing? No, because now it's at a funny point. But in that moment, it would have been like, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So there is that like fine line of like what's personal and what is business. I love sharing uh, the insights and the ahas about business. So I'm all about that. Get it out there.
1: Yeah, I like that. I mean, for me, I find the real, the, you know, the I suppose the line really is, you know, we'll just kind of inspire people or, you know, interest them slightly. And it's not showing off as such, you know, and, and always, you know, don't post food. Too many people post pictures of their food online, so you can slow right. it down, it, you know. <laughs>
2: is this going to be helpful to my community? Is this going to serve them, right? And and that's why I say like, you know, this kind of this, I hate to be using these little critters on our heads, but I mean, that could be useful information for somebody in my community because I do have a community of women who do have kids, mm. right? So again, for me, it's a little, it's tricky sometimes Because there are a lot of conversations that I bring up personally that are incredibly insightful and impactful for my audience.
0: Yeah, and again, it's about knowing your audience, having Mm -hmm. that avatar in mind and really understanding where they are and what they're looking for. Right, right. Lane, thank you very much for taking (laughs) the time to come on the show today. A lot of great stuff in there. Um, I really appreciate it and I really, really enjoyed that just before you go, if anyone Mm. wanted to drop you a tweet or drop you a line and say, thanks for the great information or just see more about what you're up to, where can they get a hold of you?
2: They can always find me on Twitter at Lane Kennedy, super easy at Lane Kennedy, or they can go over to the game changer society. Check out what I'm doing over there.
0: I'm always there. Yeah. We'll make sure to have those in the show notes. Once again, then thank you very much for coming and speaking with us today. And, uh, We'll catch up again soon.
2: Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Good to talk to you.
1: So that was Lane Kennedy from lanekennedy.com. And I found that a really enjoyable podcast. And, you know, it's very easy to see why she's had some of her her content, you know, featured on Inc., featured on the Huffington Post. She's been on Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas and and a whole host of other places as well. Um, You know, Phil, a year in advance, we mentioned at the top of the show. What are your thoughts on that now? From when it comes to planning your editorial calendar.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can see the sense it makes. I mean, I like the fact that even she referenced you know, leading up to Christmas, which is, as we all know, is a big time of year for Great shopping time and, of year. You know, um, but the Didn't fact we got
1: anything done though, isn't it? Yeah, but I
0: mean, she has that all planned out from July and August, so she knows her audience that well. She can plan in advance. She also knows that because a good portion of her audience are our moms that august is a great time to get a hold of them while they're preparing for getting the kids back to school and stuff like that but september they're flat to the match. you're not really going to get much from them so i mean she really understands her audience she understands how far in advance she needs to have things ready to roll and start the process and she kind of says it herself that in order for her to make sales in december she needs to start pushing them gently towards those sales in around september time so that involves getting everything ready in july and august the understanding she had was amazing it was kind of something that uh we hadn't really heard from any of our guests before and i was very very impressed with it you know i also thought it was quite honest the fact that she spoke about not being on facebook she knows that's where her audience is she knows that if she maybe spent more time there she could be even more successful but that doesn't suit her at the end of the day she said this is a lifestyle business and facebook It doesn't suit my lifestyle. I prefer to be on Twitter. So instead of hanging out where her audience is, she likes to hang out where she wants. But they gravitate to her, which is the big thing. I mean, let's not forget that she she is pulling her audience to where she is. That's how good she is. So in fairness to her, she could probably be on Google Plus and still get followers across there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that says a lot, doesn't it? um and i mean with that then i mean she's she's obviously you know an artistic a visual person as well as we spoke about images and the importance of images and very active on instagram you know she's got some really nice imagery and nice messages there as well so you know again doing what she likes to do as well and there's a lot to be said about that you know booking the trend and, and taking your own path so uh, just because everybody else and their dog is on facebook doesn't necessarily mean that you have to as well
0: yeah i mean i love the quote from her it's ai can i can't i can't be the best practice and do what everyone else does it's just not my style yeah and that, that kind of sums her up you know Um, there was there really was there was plenty in that i'm just looking at my notes here um you know her social media promotion strategy also was something I mean, she spoke about you know a podcast episode she says oh yeah that goes out you know seven times on twitter and uh you know the question was asked of course well is that a week uh, a month and she's like no that's a day
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and that's um it makes sense because i mean if you think about it how often do you actually look at your twitter timeline you know i might look at it five times a day maybe 10 times a day depending but you know you miss a lot of stuff and I only scroll back for so long, like everybody else, and you probably follow too many people as well. So uh, possibly not as bad a tactic uh as you can as it sounds initially as such. But uh again you kinda have to know your audience and know your following on that side of things. So again, um mm, I think I think that's worth it if you've if you've got something relevant to share. But I wouldn't just share, you know, had a great lunch ten times a day
0: yeah no and obviously she spoke about having you know differing messages for the same podcast episode or the same article that yes she might be promoting the same thing seven times in one day on, on twitter but it each time she does that it's got a different message okay it's the same link but a different message so even if people are seeing it for the second third fourth fifth sixth or seventh time it's not repetition it's not the same thing and it's still if it didn't interest them the first time maybe on the fifth attempt whatever you've got in as your hook to get them to click could work for them at that point so i really like that strategy and how she spoke about doing that and it's certainly something i think most people should consider doing maybe not seven times a day if that doesn't work for you but with automation tools that are available to you you go in once set it up to run for the day and away you go so definitely one worth looking at so yeah i think we will uh, leave it there paul some great stuff there from Lane. Uh, again folks if you want to get your hands on our editorial calendar template you can head over to content.academy it's on the home page at the bottom or if you're in the podcast section you'll see it in the sidebar to your right just click on there leave your name and email address and we'll send our editorial calendar template to you you can get a good look at and also watch out for the video from me which will come to your inbox a few days later giving you a rundown on how you can customize that and get it really working for you and your business but until next time we'll chat to you then